Welcome to Life Altering Events with Frank Sakari. When something positive or negative changes in our lives, we are basically at a fork in the road. Where does the next step take us? What do we do as reactions to something that has already happened? How do we prevent the negative aspects from happening again? Whether in business or personal parts of your life, you can get back on track. We'll talk about it today. Now, here is your host, Frank Sakari. Good morning. I hope everybody is staying safe and are not going too stir crazy from being quarantined in their house. And we're going to get past this and get over this and life will go back to what we once knew it to be. Stay calm. Stay focused. Everything's going to be okay. Well, my name is Frank Sakari, and you are listening to Life Altering Events on the VoiceAmerica.com Empowerment Channel. Now, this is our 12th show of 2020, and the response so far this year has been absolutely tremendous around the world. I appreciate your support, so please keep listening and tell all your friends. Now, since we started this show just about seven months ago, people ask me all the time, they say, Frank, what exactly is a life-altering event? And this is what I tell people every week. A life-altering event is something we either choose or something that is thrust upon us that dramatically alters the trajectory of our life. What life-altering events present us with is an opportunity to seize the moment and make a difference in our own life and in the life of our loved one. There are a fork in the road. And we have a choice. We can choose to fall apart or we can choose to find the courage to pick up the pieces, deal with our grief, and start moving forward toward better times and better people. Always remember this. It is never too late to have the life that you want and you deserve. Now, as you listen to this show over the coming weeks and months, and I hope over the coming years, urge you to think about participating in an upcoming episode. If you have a life-altering event that could inspire others, visit the life-altering event page at voiceamerica.com, click on email the host, and tell me about this event that so drastically altered your life. What happened, how you addressed it, the impact it's had on your life, and where you are now. Now, we will review this for content And if it fits well into the program, we'll contact you about using it in a future broadcast. Now, as of right now, we've had over 30,000 internet clicks for the show, which equates to about 150,000 listeners, and we are now in 22 countries. So let me share your story with the world. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, our life-altering event is the Empathic Big Bang. Now... What's that mean? Now, we all know that one person growing up that was very sensitive or very emotional who felt things deeper and more passionately than most of us. Maybe that person was you. They were great listeners. Your pain or joy became theirs. They had exceptional perception, and they could get to the heart of the matter very quickly and were often willing to share the experience with you, whether it was good or bad. Since children and teens and family members tend to mock or shun or ridicule anyone who is different, very often these sensitive, emotional people withdrew or tried to hide their gifts of empathy, perception, and tremendous sensitivity. Now, this is a shame because these are the people who make the best friends and the most loyal friends. They're the ones that show up without being asked. They're the ones who will sit and comfort you and encourage you. They're the ones who will stand by you when your life is unraveling. Now, given the fear that is gripping the world over this virus threat, we need more and more of these empathic souls more than ever. So my guest today is Reverend Stephanie Redfeather. She's also a PhD, and she's the author of the book, The Evolutionary Empath. Let me tell you a little bit about Stephanie. She's the founder of Blue Star Temple, which is a sanctuary for sensitive beings on their spiritual journey. She is a fascinating woman with a fascinating story who has faced and overcome many life-altering events in her lifetime. You are going to just absolutely love her story. Stephanie, welcome to Life-Altering Events. Thank you so much, Frank. 
Stephanie, the first thing is, I loved your book. And ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have this book, go get it. I read the challenges that you were facing growing up as this, as this what you called yourself, a sensitive, emotional, different child. Um, would you share that with the listeners? What was that like? Yeah. Well, as an empath or sensitive soul or highly sensitive person, um, we're born that way. And so, you know, what I'm sharing, I, of course, learned many years later is that we don't have a different frame of reference. And so we kind of think everybody else is as sensitive as we are because that's how we interpret the world. So, you know, my mom said from a very early age, I could tell when somebody else wasn't feeling well or they were upset. She said I would crawl up into their lap or, you know, somehow try to reach out to them. And this was long before I understood adult stuff. I was energetically tuning into their emotional and energetic state of being and just intuitively wanted to make that okay for them. You know, I, I sensed that discord and, I, and I'm still that way now, minus the lap part. I don't crawl up into strangers' <laughs> laps usually. But, oh, that's probably good. <laughs> but, you know, I, I one of the big things you know, things that happened for me that was actually unhealthy <laughs> was that I took on everybody else's emotions and feelings and problems like they were my own. I felt them like they were my own because I didn't know they weren't. That's just, that's what I mean by when you're born that way, that's the only frame of reference you have. And so it takes some time to learn to distinguish what is and isn't yours. And so I went through the first 30 years of my life just feeling sort of schizophrenic. I'm up, I'm down, I'm this, I'm that, I'm extreme, I blah, blah, blah. And I had no idea that it's because I was processing everybody else's stuff. Wow, that, that that's Incredible. I, I, you know, I think back in my life and I remember people who, who were like that and you just, most people just thought, man, there's, there's people are a little bit weird. Did you see that? Did that happen to you? Oh, yeah. I was, you know, I mean, we get called things like uh, too sensitive or too thin skinned. You know, we're told to suck it up. You're too fragile. You're too unreliable. You're dramatic. You're whatever, you know, and especially being a teenager, a lot of things get chalked up to just the hormonal teenage angst and, you know, wave of emotions. And but it was it was more than that. And then you sort of, you push that down to survive. Is that what happened? Um, I did. Uh, the, the short version of the story is that I was a very creative, intuitive child. Um, I went to a performing arts school. So for anybody that remembers the TV show Fame, I went to yes. a school like that. So I, you know, go to math class, I go to dance class, I go to English class, I go to theater class. So I was in... Um, musical productions and competed in um, music competitions and art competitions and all of that sort of thing. And my parents got divorced when I was eight. So I was living with my mom. I'd go visit my dad and stepmom in the summer and Christmas. And in all the wisdom of a 13-year-old, I decided in eighth grade that I wanted to go live with my dad and stepmom for high school. And just naively assumed that we would find a dance studio and that I'd get to keep doing all this stuff. <laughs> no, that did not happen. And, you know, the, the value system of my dad and stepmom was very different. And so, you know, the way I describe it is that as I was coming into my teenage years, my freshman year, I was 13 into 14. And my feminine, so I, I frame a lot of this through the feminine and masculine archetypes because that's a big piece of my work, is that my feminine started feeling unsafe in the world and my masculine came in and said, I'll save you to the best of his ability. And he took my feminine and put her in a box and put her away for safekeeping. And so I can literally track, if you could graph the expression of the feminine and masculine in high school, you could see it going down as I moved, the feminine mm -hmm. going down and the masculine expression going up. And by the time I was a junior and it was time to start making decisions about what you want to do next in your life, um, I got a math degree and became an Air Force officer. So, you know, it's a little bit of <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> so exactly. I, I took all of that creative, intuitive, empathic expression and just shoved it way down. Now, we're all familiar, Stephanie, with the term empathy, but that's, that's not what this is. What, what is an empath? 
Yes. Well, I'll tell you, when I sat down to write this book, my spirit guides gave me one directive, and that was create a definition. Because the term empath has been used for several decades in spiritual circles, new age circles, etc. But it felt important to really get granular. And so I actually spend two chapters in my book explaining different um, aspects of what it is to be an empath. But the, the piece I'd like to share, I think this is the most impactful and the piece that most people can uh, connect with. And it's the characteristics. Uh, there's five qualities of an empath. And so um, I'll just share those with you. Please, please do. So the first quality is the ability to merge with and absorb the energy of other beings. And that's people, animals, anything with life force. And that stems from our very open personal energy field. So this is the quality that can cause us to unconsciously take on others' emotions and problems like I was talking about and can also cause us to struggle with boundaries. The second quality is that we have a highly sensitive nervous system. And so this might sound a little bit like, duh, you know, like nervous systems are (laughs) supposed to be sensitive. (laughs) But as empaths, we got like a double dose. And so this really... um, makes us prone to overwhelm and overstimulation. And so extra vigilant self-care is very critical for us. The third quality is that we have a great sensitivity to the energies around us and an ability to perceive or access subtle information stored in the energy field of all types of life forms. So, you know, I believe everything is sentient. Everything holds some form of consciousness. And so this is the quality that makes it easy for us to tune into the unseen realms, if you will. You know, seeing angels, apparitions, or the dead, um, being... you know, tending more towards paranormal experiences or people who are animal communicators or mediums and psychics and people who just have wicked intuition and, you know, all of these sorts of things fall into that realm. Okay, that's good. The fourth quality. Yeah, the fourth quality is the premium that we place on peace and harmony in relationships and our environment and our own energy So it's just peace and harmony in whatever we're interacting. And so um, when we're in our unconscious years, which means we don't know we're an empath, we can tend to be doormats and be very codependent and not be very good advocates for ourselves because we will do anything and everything to keep um, our relationships and environment as stress-free as possible. And the fifth and final quality is our big open hearts and a desire to serve others. And so this can make us inclined towards careers focused on service. I mean, a huge part of my tribe are healthcare workers, you know, nurses, massage therapists, other types of uh, therapists and psychologists and energy healers and that sort of thing. But, you know, I was in the Air Force. So, you know, clearly there are empaths who are computer programmers and engineers and, you know, lawyers and that sort of thing. And then... Another thing to keep in mind with this particular quality is that with that desire to serve others, if we're not careful, we will tend to overgive and put ourselves last on the list. And so um, something I want to say about that collection of five qualities is there is no amount or degree that definitively makes you an empath or not. All of these things are on a continuum. So you, you know, some of these listeners, you might uh, peg some of those five qualities high, like yes, 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 and a couple others you might be like, mm, not so much. You don't have to peg all five to be an empath. You know, I just invite you to trust your intuition about whether or not this this concept speaks to you. The peace and harmony was one that sort of jumped out to me when I was reading your book, particularly when the world is in um, such a state of division. How does that impact an empath? Yeah. Does that make Um, sense? It does. It does. So we all, you know, our sensitivities express slightly differently in each one of us. Um, Some people are highly influenced and impacted by world events. I have a friend who's very much that way, and she will 
she will feel a change in her own system. Like her energy will drop. She'll start to get agitated. It's not her normal state. And she will check the news. And sure enough, there's been some tragedy or, you know, some kind of natural disaster or something that's happened. And so it is, it is not uncommon at all for us to perceive the collective energies. You know, so some people might be more focused in on their their sphere of influence, their their family and their community. Others might be more tuned into the entire planet or collective. But these things impact us. We feel them. And if we're not careful, like I said before, we'll take them on as our own and we will start processing them and not even know it. And it'll just take us out of our lives if we're not careful because we'll just get nailed with the intensity of the energies. And so um, the tools that I offer in the second half of the book are really critical for empaths so that we can manage ourselves and remain functional. And we're going to get into that area very soon. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming up on a break here. We're going to stop at this point before we get into the next question. We're talking with Reverend Stephanie Redfeather, PhD, about the importance of empathic people and the value they bring into the world. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss this next segment. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Life Altering Events with Frank Sakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We just finished one segment with Reverend Stephanie Redfeather. She's a PhD. She is the author of the book, Evolutionary Empaths. And this is something that you need to hear, and you need to hear the story. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to get into more with, with Stephanie on what an empath is, what an empathic behavior is, and the importance that they bring to the world, particularly in this very, very troubled time that we're living in. So, Stephanie, in my research, I was looking through a number of things, and I found a number of, of misconceptions and misperceptions for example, a, a, a shaman versus an empath and a spiritual healer or psychic or medium. We even heard, I even read about terms, derogatory terms like, well, they're like witch doctors. How do you talk about that? What's, what, what do you see the difference there? 
Right. Well, one of the things I want to start with is that you are correct that empathy is not the same as being an empath, but they're derived from the same word. You know, they have the same foundation. So empathy is a human characteristic that most people are born with, you know, unless you're a total psychopath, (laughs) you're not able to access empathy. Um, But empathy is um, something we can access, but it's not a way of being, if you will. So so an empath, it's not just a feeling we experience because feelings are transient, they're fleeting. How we feel about something can change. Feelings are impermanent. Um, we're not defined by our feelings. They aren't permanent human character traits. But as an empath, that that ability to connect with someone else, walk in their shoes, see things from their perspective, is how we are wired. It is a 24-7 sort of thing. And, and I don't mean that to sound like, oh, God, I can't, you know, I have an affliction that I can't run away from. I mean, we can develop the tools to manage it. We can We can turn the volume down. But it's not like we can just not be that because that is that is part of how we are wired um, and so people who don't understand that or, or people who don't have experience with connecting to subtle realms or, or who, do, who don't understand energy or, or how energy moves or works they can look at people with some of our qualities and, and skills and expressions and go you're weird, you're crazy, you know, that's a gimmick, or, you know, there's something wrong with you, or, you know, you kind of peg that to the extreme end, and, you know, we could even be called evil, <laughs> you know, you're, you're a witch, you're a, you know, because it just depends on a person's paradigm of how they've been brought up and, and what they've learned to believe, and so their religious and spiritual um, sphere is going to be a big influence on that, but... Um, these qualities, these sensitivities are a real thing. So it's not just, you know, we're not trying to get out of work because we're overwhelmed. <laughs> you know, we're not trying to to feign, you know, whatever because, oh, it's too sensitive and, and this hurts me too much. You know, we're not, we're not making it up. <laughs> it's like the... Uh, uh, some people who don't have these gifts will often say, well, this offends me or this bothers me. And the people who have that gift, they understand. They seem to be able to relate better. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, we not just relating, but, but feeling how the other person feels, looking at life through their eyes. I mean, one of our superpowers, if you will, is, is our compassion, our ability to put ourselves inside someone else's experience and see it and feel it from their point of view. And it's a double-edged sword because if we don't know that we're doing it, we cannot distinguish where we end and the next person begins. We have codependent relationships and we lose our sense of self. Uh, Stephanie, when, if someone, young person out there is, is feeling some of the traits that you mentioned in these five, how do they know if they have this gift? Well, again, it's not, um, I tried to resist the urge to create a, what I call the cosmopolitan survey, you know, like, (laughs) you know, answer, okay, you know, if you, you know, zero to 10 and you're a mild empath and 11 to 20, you're a moderate empath, you know, it's just, for me, it doesn't work that way. If, if you're hearing these concepts, if you're hearing these explanations and they resonate with you and something is going, hey, (laughs) hey, that's important, I need to know that. <clears throat> then trust that for yourself. Even if, if only one or two of these qualities resonates, it's valuable to explore more um, and, and learn about this aspect of yourself and develop the tools that you need to manage your energy and to establish boundaries and to take good care of yourself. So, you know, again, it may be that you have some gifts that... Um, uh, the, the way this goes for a lot of us is that when we're young, there's like a certain age range where it's okay. You know, imaginary friends are fine and, you know, you know, make believe and play. Those those things are all okay. And then we get to a certain age where, 
it's like, okay, the, you know, you're too old to have imaginary friends. And you're like, but really, that's great Aunt Edna standing over there in the corner of the room, you know, because the child can see people who have passed on. Or, you know, the, the child says, you know, the tree in the backyard is hurting, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, honey, <laughs> you know, right. so, so after a while, these things just start getting dismissed if we have, you know, parents and extended communities and teachers and spiritual leaders that don't understand our sensitivities, don't have a way to guide us. And so, um, you know, you may be one of those people who you just stopped sharing those perceptions with other people because you just got tired of everybody looking at you like you were crazy. Right. Right. Good point. Good point. One thing, Stephanie, that uh, that I found particularly interesting is you have a degree in applied mathematics and you <laughs> serve as an officer in the United States Air Force. Now, we're both stationed at Beale Air Force Base, in fact, at Many years between us, but we were both there. I was in the Air Force, and I didn't meet officers like you with that gift. So how did this experience either help you or hinder you as you were in, on your empathic uh, journey? Yeah. Well, as with most things, um, we don't usually get that uh, enlightenment until we're many years past it looking back, <laughs> you know, with, with <laughs> hindsight. Um you know, again, framing it in terms of the masculine and feminine, you know, the, the empathic qualities, if you're familiar with the, the feminine archetypal qualities or right brain qualities, empaths pretty much peg that side of the house. So in a way, we're sort of doubly judged because in our culture, the feminine is still devalued. And so we come in with our empathic sensitivities. And so that set of qualities is also devalued. And so for me, I had to shove all of that underground, stepped right heavily into my masculine energies. I mean, I got a math degree. I became an Air Force officer. I'm, I'm in heavily masculine archetypal energies. And so it was, it was incredibly challenging looking back um, I really had to bend and twist myself into somebody else to be a successful Air Force officer because if I stayed me, well, if I stayed me, I wouldn't have even gone in. I, I, have, uh, I had a supervisor at one of my assignments who really liked the um, Myers-Briggs personality type test. Right. I know that so, well. I, I had taken it several times over my life, and he wanted us to all take it. So I took it, and I found myself having trouble answering the questions because my, my last name at the time was Roth. So Captain Roth answered it a certain way, and I said, I'm just going to take this in two different ways. I'm going to take it as Stephanie. I'm going to take it as Captain Roth. Captain Roth, her answers fell in line with 80% of the people who joined the military, Stephanie never should have joined the military in the first place. So clearly, I, I was suppressing a huge part of my personality and natural expression to conform to, to this culture. Um, but, you know, through, through all of these experiences, when I look back, I had to walk through the absence of the feminine to really understand her value. It, it wasn't head knowledge. It wasn't something I read in a book or learned from a teacher. I viscerally learned experientially what the feminine is, what the masculine is, how they work together. And, you know, I, I lived 15 years of my adult life pretty much keeping my feminine shoved in a hole. And so... That has been a huge part of my spiritual awakening is reclaiming the feminine, bringing her back, and, and walking in what we call the sacred marriage, where the, the masculine and feminine are walking in conscious equal partnership together. That's very interesting that, that, to get to, that everybody has both sides, and, and to keep them in balance has always been a challenge, and particularly when you have to suppress one for so long. That, that's very impressive you were able to do that. Stephanie, what do you mean, as an enemy reading the book, you talk about the human blueprint. What is that? Yeah, as I was writing this book, I kept getting higher level and higher level downloads from spirit. And it was um, the bigger picture perspective of 
why empaths are here in the first place. And so um, for any of you who are a little sciencey or geeky, there is one chapter in the book that's different from all the others where I, where I talk about this cycle of time, this grand cycle of time called the Great Year. And uh, just to say a short bit about it, it's a 24,000-year cycle of time. Some say 26. There's a reason for the discrepancy, so whatever model you subscribe to is fine. In that cycle of time, we are ascending in consciousness for half of that period, descending in consciousness for the other half of that. So if you've heard of the Greek ages, the Iron Age, Bronze Age, Silver Age, Golden Age, those are just different ways of breaking down this cycle. If you're familiar with the Indian yugas, the Kali Yuga, Dwapara Yuga, Tredi Yuga, Sacha Yuga, they line up precisely with um, the Greek ages. And so if you look at where we are currently in this cycle, we have turned the corner. We, we've already hit the lowest, if you will, the lowest point of human consciousness. We are on the upswing. We are out of the Iron Age. We are into the Bronze Age. So we are raising in consciousness. Time literally is speeding up as we're as our galaxy is moving through the cosmos. And so empaths are here on purpose because it's time for us again. You know, we come into the planet with a slightly refined energetic physiology with a with a particular set of sensitivities. And so by new human blueprint, I like to think that we are where humanity is moving toward. You know, that empaths are here to help humanity move to the next level of consciousness and that some hundreds or thousands of years from now, I like to think that empath won't even be a word because it's just going to be synonymous with human. So, you know, when you titled the show, The Empathic Big Bang, that's a, that is a, a term that I came up with to describe what's been happening. So all of us empaths who are here right now, you know, in the, who have been incarnating in the last century or so, we are collectively the empathic Big Bang. And there is a quote from the movie Moneyball that says, uh, the first guy through the wall always gets bloodied. And <laughs> collectively, we are the first ones through the wall getting bloodied, paving the way for the ones coming behind us. You also talk about spiritual guides. Could you elaborate a little bit more on, on, on what that is, spiritual guides? Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's whatever higher power or source that you relate to that that gives you guidance or inspiration you know you some people think of it as just their intuition i kind of call mine my spiritual team or my spiritual guides it could be archangels ascended masters it could be um you know a, a deceased parent or grandparent or some sort of ancestor it could be animal helping spirits it could be fairies or sprites or you know it could be star relatives i mean you know to me it's it's any and or all of those and so you know in my shamanic practice and the way i live my life i try to stay very tuned into that that realm of beings those um higher intelligences um that i that i channel through my own physical body, if you will. Mm-hmm. You wrote the, and you mentioned just now, just that uh, we're at a historical moment in the terms of paths on the earth. Um, what tells you that there are more empaths today? Are you seeing this movement uh, evolving faster, hence the name of the book? Y- yes, yes. And it's just... Um, you know, the number of clients and students, the number of people, I mean, it's kind of exploding and especially with social media, we've got Facebook groups and we have online courses and it's just being talked about more. More and more people are resonating with this term. Um, And so, you know, and especially if you look at the young people coming into the planet, their value system, their sensitivities, their ways of seeing things, their perceptions are different. Um, and so they're coming in at a different vibratory rate, um, you know, each each generation does, you know, so that's kind of part of the natural progression. But the, the evolutionary part of the evolutionary empath title it really speaks to the fact that I believe we're here to help humanity evolve to the next level of consciousness. 
and I think the audience is is ready. I have a 27 year old and 31 year old daughters, and they're what they discuss and what they talk about at the at the age that they are now. I would have never even thought of at that age. I know I'm and, the same way. <laughs> and they have this incredibly more sensitive, and they want to know what. Uh, why, not what, why another person is thinking what they're thinking and so that they can relate to that individual as opposed to just spewing out their own um, propaganda. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're up against another break. We've been through two segments with uh, Reverend Stephanie Redfeather. The third segment, this is going to be the best one yet. Do not go away. You don't want to miss this. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Book Frank Zakari as the motivational speaker at your next event. Frank is a dynamic, entertaining, and fascinating storyteller. Your organization will be entertained and will learn stories of success they can implement immediately. Email Frank today to secure him for your next event at lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com or call 916-718-5517. Mention that you heard about it from the Life Altering Events radio program. You can also visit Frank's website for more information at frankzakari.com. Frank Zakari has written five books spanning a range of life-altering events and how to handle them. When the Wife Cheats is about a man with two young daughters handling the devastating loss of a cheating wife. Inside the Spaghetti Bowl is about how one family stays together through both good and bad. Five Years to Live follows a couple through life after a tragic accident, recovery, and prognosis. From the Ashes is a turnaround management success story about the University of Washington volleyball team. Find the books at Amazon in print, audio, and Kindle formats and at frankzakari.com. Multiple studies show us that the vast majority of people are disengaged at work. A Gallup report stated that two-thirds of American workers are unhappy and 15% actually hate their work. That means that 81% are not engaged to work for a common goal. Frank Zakari and his team have programs to help you change this dynamic and create a collaborative and high-performing organization. Visit frankzakari.com to set up an initial consultation today. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to Life-Altering Events with Frank Zakari. To call into the program today with questions or comments, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or you can send an email to lifealteringeventsradio at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. This is Frank Zakari, Life-Altering Events, and we are talking to Reverend Stephanie Redfeather, who is an empath and we have spent two segments here going over what an empath is what they do the value and and how you determine and expand upon these gifts that you have it's a, it's it's an evolutionary thing and it's expanding which is good that's one thing that can happen stephanie in the book you talk about the cycle of ascension that we talked about in the last segment now given the current state of anger and hatred and war, and division, and fear, and all the other things that are going on in the world right now, many people might say, we're not going forward, we're regressing. Mm-hmm. How do you re- Yeah, that is a totally fair question, and I, and I have a couple of ways to look at that. <clears throat> the first thing is an analogy that I want to share, and so it's apropos because in the Northern Hemisphere, we're moving from winter into spring. But if you were to chart the daily temperature moving from winter into spring, it is not a linear progression of each day being a little warmer than the day before. You know, especially here in the Midwest, uh, just last week we were at 72 degrees on one day and the next day we were at 38. <laughs> and so if you take that model and apply it to, you know, this, this protracted period, we're not, you know, talking about just, you know, 
winter into spring is a, a month or two. Human ascension, we're talking years and decades. And so if you charted consciousness, if you could, as a, as a measurement, you know, or, or expression of, of that sort of thing, we might be up for a year and down for a year, up for five years, down for 10 years. But if you, if you could track it over a longer period of time, back out and look at the bigger picture perspective, we are ascending in consciousness. We just have to kind of shift our paradigm of measuring that, if you will. Another perspective that I like to share, at least from a kind of a a perspective of psychology, is the the concept of the shadow. And that as we are ascending, so, so it's, you know, as within, so without. This applies to an individual person and a collective, that as we do our inner work, as we raise in vibration and and do our consciousness work and heal our wounds, the shadow, the 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 disowned, unloved parts of ourselves, the things we shove down that we don't want anybody to see are going to come up and start bubbling to the surface to be dealt with and healed, transmuted, etc. And so a lot of what we're seeing collectively, nationally, globally is this shadow coming to the surface and it looks like chaos and it feels like hell, but it's actually, you know, if I was, if I was coaching a client, I would say this is actually a good sign because if it's coming up, it's coming up to be healed. That is a tremendous point uh, given the state of chaos. Great things come and innovation come out of chaos. That's what I found in my life. It's not when things are going well because you're just going with the flow. It's when you're in a state of chaos or anxiety that change occurs, and the change moves you to the better. Mm-hmm. Is that right? It, it is, and I, you know, personally, I'm exploring different experiences of, of that because that's that's been our paradigm or that's been the way most of us have been, where we need the cosmic two before across the forehead to get our attention. <laughs> And personally, I'm also experimenting with, can I move through, you know, transition with more ease and grace? Does it take all the drama and trauma? If I'm tuned in and I'm listening to the signs, can I see it coming? Can I surrender to the shift? And and do I need the chaos? And so I'm, I'm not saying that what you just said isn't true I'm just sharing from my perspective that that is the paradigm that we are used to that's what it takes for most of us because we get attached to our position and it takes that chaotic thump to the head to get our attention good point very good point now earlier Stephanie you mentioned at one point you were um Officer Roth, and you have changed your name to a Red Feather. Would you mention how that came about? Yeah. Uh, I was working with one of my shaman teachers, and uh, we were doing a healing session. And I was standing on a buffalo hide. I was facing east. I had my eyes closed. He was doing his thing. And all of a sudden, I just started seeing a vision. And I saw... Um, a Native American um, tribe. It was nighttime. It was dark. There was a fire, and there was this beautiful, um, brave, if you will, you know, kind of full splendor, full-length headdress of feathers. But every feather was red, and it just struck me. I was like, "Oh my God! I'm being given a name." And I, and I called out to my teacher and shared with him what I saw. And we did this ceremony to, to uh, you know, kind of anoint me with the name, anchor it in the earth grid. And so for a number of years, I used that name in spiritual circles. And then when I got married in 2011, I chose to take it on as my legal last name. And I, I just think of it as um, an initiation, you know, because I, I kind of went through this whole, what are people going to think? Is that weird? Blah, 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 you know, all of that kind of stuff. And I realized that it's just I'm being asked to step into that name. That's what an initiation is, where you don't get to know the facts. You have to trust. You step through the portal to say yes, and then it becomes, you know, revealed to you. And so I um, took it on as my legal last name. 
So you were already into into the the uh, the empathic movement. You were already doing that when when uh, when this moment came to you. Is that right? I would say yes. I mean, when I left the Air Force, I went through about a five-year period of time that I call the spiritual crucible, (laughs) which was my (laughs) spiritual awakening process. And it was, you know, during that time that I really began to embrace myself as a as a sensitive being. As we're getting near the end of the show, Stephanie, what what are some of the uh, tangible tips or tools? that you can share with other empaths to help them navigate through the world today? Yeah, this is so important. Um, I go into a great amount of detail in my book. The second half is all practical rubber meets the road tools. But the the two big things I want to highlight are managing your energy and drawing boundaries. And so depending on where you are and your understanding of things, you know, it, it helps to first acknowledge yourself as an energetic being. And that... Uh, you know, we have to tend to our energy field just like you have to clean your house. You have to dust and vacuum and do the dishes and shake out the rugs and whatever. We collect energetic dross. You know, it's just like dust. It's just a collection of, you know, whatever, animal hairs and dander and dead skin and carpet fibers. They're not necessarily good or bad. Sometimes, you know, the energies we pick up can be negative or harmful, but we have to do our energetic house clearing every day to clear our field. And so there are several ways to do that. You can use sage to smudge yourself. You can use your breath, uh, you know, on the exhale, imagining everything that doesn't serve you, moving out your feet and into Mother Earth and letting her transmute it just like manure into fertilizer Boundaries are exceptionally important because, as I said, as empaths, we tend to have very open energy fields, and it's difficult to discern where we end and the next person begins. So learning to fortify your edges, to to identify energy leaks and shore them up, and then to translate that into boundaries in terms of our relationships with others, like saying no and asking for what we need. So uh, these are basic um self-care management tools that every sensitive being needs to learn. The boundaries are very interesting. Could you expand a little more on, on when you coach people about setting these boundaries? Yes, um, because we tend to be people pleasers. You know, we have these big hearts. We want to make everybody happy and we feel all of their stuff. You know, in our, in our unconscious years, we tend to live from the unhealthy aspects of these qualities. It's just how that plays out. So the codependence, losing ourselves in relationship, taking on everybody else's emotions and problems, not knowing where we end and the next person begins. And so one of the concepts, well, one of the, the chapter titles is you and I are one, but we are not the same. And what that refers to is, you know, in spirit form, we all come from the same cosmic goo. You know, we're all made of the same God stuff, if you will. Mm -hmm. But in human form, we are absolutely unique individuations of spirit. You and I are different, and that is okay. It is okay for there to be a line between you and me, a difference. We have different values, different beliefs, different interests. And so for some people, they feel like, well, you know, to be new agey and spiritual and, you know, to, to, to grow in consciousness, we're all one. And I'm like, yes, and <laughs> there's the human side of it. You know, we are, we are spiritual beings having a human experience. We've got to learn to navigate the body as well. We are, we are learning to bring spirit all the way into matter through the vehicle, the, the alchemical vehicle that is our body. And so it is important to distinguish ourselves from another. Otherwise, we kind of miss the point of what is it to be human, you know, it doesn't doesn't mean you push everybody away. It doesn't mean putting up a wall. It means recognizing that you don't have to say yes to everybody. You don't have to like everything that everybody else likes. You don't have to want to do everything that everybody else is doing. You can have your own personality. It's time to to pull yourself out because we, we tend to leave our body and drop our anchor in another human and live our life from their point of being, point of view. And so it we need to reclaim ourselves to sit back in our own sovereign throne 
and rule our kingdom and queendom from our own grounded center. That was a tremendous explanation. And thank you so much for that. We are just about out of time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this, this has been just a fabulous show with, uh, with Stephanie Redfeather. If you missed any of this show, it's going to be uh, on, on demand very soon. Uh, we'll post it. You can get it on any number of stations that you listen to on demand, um, podcasts or radio shows, including now iHeartRadio, uh, Google, and Alexa, who recently picked up the show. So, Stephanie, thank you so much for being with us this past hour and for all your insights. You are so welcome. And I, I just want to share, if anybody wants to interact more with me, my website is bluestartemple.org. And we'll make sure we get that out um, on the uh, on the net here. So, ladies and gentlemen, as I mentioned, we're just about out of time. Life is going to throw at you a lot of things, as Stephanie pointed out to us here today. But when you get hit with this life Three things for me. Look up, get up, and never ever give up. Pick up the pieces and start moving forward, and better times and better people are going to come into your life. If you want more information about Stephanie, you can contact her at her site that she just mentioned, or you can send me an email or a text, and I will make sure that she it, it gets to her. If you have not bought her book, get it. Now, if you missed this show, as I mentioned, it's available on demand at a number of different places. Um, it'll be probably in, in a couple of hours, it'll be ready to go. Now, let me leave you with this, ladies and gentlemen. None of us are in this alone. The secret to walking on water is to know where the rocks are. And today, Stephanie showed us where a lot of those rocks are. Join us next week when we get into another life-altering event. Thank you for tuning into Life-Altering Events. Be sure to join Frank Zakari again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a life-changing week. The Good Kind.